I mean, these are the things that I think about. Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be, and welcome to It's So Real. With your boy, O. And your girl, Rocky. What is good, people? So thank you for joining us with our part two of our Healthy Relationship series. So the first one in our Healthy Relationship series, or our first episode in that Mm -hmm. series, is what is a healthy relationship. So make sure to check that out. And then today is going to be the relationship contract. Yes. So we're going to go over a couple of different aspects today. Mm -hmm. Uh, Things that you may have heard of or things that you may not be familiar with. But we're going to break it all down for you. Uh, Hopefully in a way that you can really understand it and use it and apply it in your life. Yes, apply it. That's the whole purpose of the series. (laughs) Yeah, we ain't just talking to talk. We love to talk. Don't get me wrong. But um, yeah, use it. There's a reason why uh, two therapists got together and did a, po- a podcast mm-hmm. to educate uh, black people because we want y'all to actually use this education and this experience and this knowledge. So apply it, please. <laughs> For sure. All right. Uh, so to start off the episode, uh, I wanted to ask Rocky here uh, a question because you had this, I guess, was it a professor? Well, I guess you'll explain it. What are the... The, I guess, the eight C's, as you call them. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how you broke it down, but when you told me about it earlier when we were talking, preparing for the show, uh, I thought of, you mentioned some of them, and I was like, okay, this is kind of dope. I like the way mm-hmm. this is going, mm-hmm. um, and I think it is a good order, plus it's catchy, it's all C's, yeah. so that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would love for you to break it down for the audience so they can know uh, just what the eight C's are and how they apply to our topic for today. Thank you, thank you. So while I was in grad school, um, I had a professor, Dr. Lee Willings. Dr. He Lee. was one of my favorite professors. Like he interviewed me for my grad school interview. Like he was nice. my advisor. He was like a professor in several of my classes. So Dr. Williams. But everybody, we didn't use full names. He was Lee. <laughs> I appreciated that. It forms or fosters a closer yeah. relationship. I think a lot of programs started doing that because they realized, it, especially but, in grad school, like yeah. you grow. <laughs> yeah, that hierarchy thing. Yes, is no, not necessary. No. Um. So Lee in his couples and sex class mm-hmm. uh, had a PowerPoint called "The Eight C's: An Integrative Framework for Couples," and apparently he got some of these C's. He said it was a modification of seven C's by Gary Birchler. That looked like Birchler, don't yeah, it? Yeah, Birchler. Like um, and basically, he's using it to kind of make s- simple of the things that you don't necessarily think about prior to getting to a relationship. Definitely prior Which to are marriage. A lot. Yeah, like a lot of things. You all need to go to co- premarital counseling. Go <laughs> because. <laughs> Couples guru over here because like nah like so, some things you have not thought about. It takes self awareness within yourself. It takes awareness within a relationship to know what things you need to have a conversation about before it comes up in reality. For sure. Okay. 
So that being said, what the hell are the eight C's? <laughs> what are the eight C's? All right. So the eight C's is a mnemonic device standing for children, mm-hmm. culture, costs, communication, conflict resolution, commitment, caring and cohesion, character, and contract. That being said, today's episode, you need to communicate the contract. Okay? I like it. So, oh, tell these people about what the hell I mean by a contract. Uh, so... We were talking about this a lot when it came to prepping for the show, obviously, with the name being The Relationship, uh, relationship Contract. contract. <laughs> um, so the, the idea of the contract is uh, every relationship that you have, basically, every relationship, whether it's romantic or otherwise, mm-hmm. family, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. uh, those relationships come with an unspoken uh, contract or expectation mm-hmm. uh, between the two of you based on your relationship to each other so for instance my mom and i have a contract uh especially when we were younger that she was gonna be nurturing and caring and uh you know be a mom in the stereotypical sense Mm -hmm. you know a good one anyways Mm -hmm. um but (laughs) yeah not everybody has that experience with their mom so when their expectation and their contract uh doesn't match up with what they think they need it's like it's like in the business it's like as if you had one contract and you feel hold up, like, hold up, hold up. Ain't nobody signed this contract, right, though. <laughs> right. So you had this contract, and you thinking that the other person had the exact same contract and is agreeing to the exact same terms and conditions, mm-hmm. when actually you both have different ideas of what the relationship should be like and what should be in that contract, so you're not on the same page at all, and you end up being disappointed in uh, each other because you don't have the same expectations. You failed to meet the contract. Yeah, you breached it. And it seems like a violation, oftentimes. So that's basically what the contract is. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to uh, relationships, we also have unspoken contracts uh, romantically. Um, And those contracts could be applying to certain needs that you want Mm -hmm. um, and certain expectations that you have. The problem with these contracts are that they are so implicit and they're not explicit. Meaning that people don't really, really say exactly what they want and need out of their relationship. But I would also say people don't know themselves a lot of That's the time. That's very true. We talked so, about that last on the last on the last podcast when it comes yeah, to yeah. Well, like you cannot be in a healthy relationship be without being a healthy yourself. individual. So, um, we'll get to the comment that was just put on um, of the Facebook Live. Thank you for joining us. But. Uh, yeah, like a lot of my clients, they don't know themselves. They don't know what they need themselves in right. order to communicate it. So it's like you have these expectations you're not even aware of, but all of a sudden when they're not met, you become real aware. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Because once you realize that your you know, expectations or your thoughts have been like challenged and not being upheld mm-hmm. by the other person, you get real in your feelings. Mm-hmm. You, it, it's quick. You real, you're real quick to know it's that breach of contract. Yeah. <laughs> when it's yours <laughs> right <laughs> alright I never asked you how you pronounce your name I think on your profile it said Amadou Amadou that looks right right but I'm not sure I'm He'll... sorry if I'm mispronouncing yeah, let us know <laughs> Um. so he had a question or a statement it's a spiritual bonding contract oh with I guess he's answering 
Oh, that's correct. Okay, cool. Um, uh, the question I have on the Facebook Live is, what expectations do you have for your relationship? And his statement, it's a spiritual bonding contract, which is why casual sex must be approached with caution. You guys become connected on a deeper level because of it. Great point, guys. Cool. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. All right. Um, we will be talking about consents. Uh, we were going to talk about it on the communication episode. We were going to include communication in this episode, but the contract's so going to take to up time. About, yeah, so, so we're just, we're just going to... Pace ourselves. It's a series. We got to pace ourselves. We got time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. pace ourselves. A lot of knowledge to drop. Mm-hmm. Ain't no need to try to put it all out at once. Exactly. <laughs> hey, Steve. Steve. All right. All right. Uh, where were we on the contracts? Um, okay, so how do you... Tell the difference because we were talking about this earlier. How do you tell the difference between a realistic expectation uh, when it comes to contracts, stuff that you have and your desires when it comes to that relationship, and an unrealistic expectation? Like, how do you know if your desires are out of bounds? You know, outside of the realm of, of what is normally expected or no, normally. Um, well, I, I guess, yeah, how do you know? How do you know when you're not tripping? So, I don't know on a case-by-case, case, but I can dead some unrealistic expectations that most people have. Okay. Just to do get down to the nitty-gritty. This concept of my partner should know, you need to let go. Your partner is not a mind reader. I don't care how much time you've been together. I don't care how many things you've been through. Your partner cannot read your mind. So as my mama said, closed mouth don't get fed. Communicate your needs. You have to know what they are and then communicate them. Because if they go unmet, you can't be mad. (laughs) Well, hold on. If they go unmet, you can't be mad if you didn't communicate them. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, you could be mad, but it's still your, your fault. You ain't got a right yeah. to it. Like, you didn't communicate it. Let go of the expectation that your partner is a mind reader because they're not. No one is. Unless you got that telepathic skills, which um, I'm interested in. <laughs> now, there are certain things that I think are universal, like basic respect. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not. I had to write it down as a standard because I was not aware that that should be a standard. But that's what I'm saying. <laughs> now you have like certain baseline stuff. But mm. again, that goes back to you knowing yourself, which yeah. we talked about before. So if you ain't know to respect yourself, you go let somebody else disrespect you. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I tell you. Yeah, people just, oh, they should know how to respond. They should know what I want. No, no. And we'll get into um, love languages and apology languages a little in a minute. Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, you can communicate, like, an overall thing, and then the specifics is up to them, you know, and what your partner does and things like that. But as far as what your needs are, not wants, your needs, you need to communicate those. Um. Amadou said, into me I see equals intimacy that... Oh. Mm, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> into, into me 
took, I took a little while. Took a little um, while. Intimacy, the took deeper you read. get, the deeper you become. That's real. Facts. <laughs> um, See what you're doing there. So, yeah, you, you got to know yourself and you got to communicate those needs. Now, when somebody says, because I've got this statement before, my partner thinks I'm needy, I would question if your partner has the capacity to fulfill your needs. Because if your partner has no problem meeting your needs, then you're not needy because they can meet them. But if they aren't able to meet your needs, then yes, you may be asking for a lot because they're unable to meet them. So also check that. Okay. Now, some realistic expectations that, oh, wait, um, I do want to do one more unrealistic expectation, but, or false expectation. Um, uh, I would say gender roles can be a false expectation in today's society. Mm -hmm. Like both partners work, both partners are doing 40 hours a week. So expecting the woman to do 40 hours a week and clean the house and raise the kids is an unrealistic expectation. And we will talk about this on an entirely different episode because gender roles in and of itself is a huge topic. And we don't got time right now. So, <laughs> but for real though, like that's welcome to the 21st century. It's time to update your standards. We are not in the fifties anymore or your expectations. That's real. Some people are stuck in that same, not only mindset when it comes to uh, relationships, but it's just like a societal way of thinking yeah. as though things can go back to that era. It can't. It, it can't, and nor <laughs> should it. It's like things have advanced mm-hmm. past to that where other people are now exploring and women are allowed to explore avenues in business and um, in art and entertainment where they couldn't have been exposed to the same you know, areas before just because of the freedom that the society has been built around. Like it's, it's okay to let that go. The idea of like, all right, well everybody has to be woman is in the kitchen or just at home with the kids. And it's like, that's good for some women. Cause some women like that's their joy. Yeah. That's what they love to do. Mm-hmm. But for that to be like the standard that you put on them, mm-hmm. it's kind of ridiculous. And the same for men. Like, if you put all the standard on, like, you have to provide all of this as if, like, the economic times haven't changed, as if there's so many other factors. Like, you putting his manhood all on the chopping block of whether he can provide everything. And provide financially. Yeah. We're not talking about other forms of providing. That's, the, like, emotional Without considering support. the other that. factors, that's <laughs> ridiculous. So it's like, there's a lot of, like, hypocrisy on both ends, mm-hmm. and it's not a lot less acknowledgement of the nuance of the situation. Like, we're not in the same times. No. Um, and because we're not, it's allowing us an opportunity, if we choose to, mm-hmm. to look at the other gender uh, or just uh, the other partner. Other partner yeah. You know, not, not even saying gender, but, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking about gender roles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and be able to see how collaborative work works best within any financial situation. Mm-hmm. So you can collaborate not only your talents, mm-hmm. but your and knowledge. Strengths. Yeah, your knowledge and your strengths. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what it's about. That's what a partnership is about. Mm-hmm. So it's more so shifting the the way that relationships are into collaborative, uh, appreciative relationships rather than it being like, okay, you are assigned to this role because that's what society's on. It's more like, what... 
where where can we fit each other in the best pockets where we can do it most and, and, success. And that's the you know thing. I mean? It's like that's how it should be. Stop worrying about what society defines as a relationship. Worry about what's going on in your relationship and see what works best for you. Because a lot of y'all are like don't like to cook, and then it's like the other partner might like to cook, but it's but you're you, oh I gotta stick to society. It's stupid. It's really but what? It's your house. It's really society dumb. ain't in your house <laughs> unless you let be. them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, let go of these unrealistic expectations, people. And before I get to the realistic expectations, um, Amadou said that stems from being lazy in terms of relationships. I'm assuming um, not communicating your needs. Mm-hmm. After a while, it becomes a cakewalk. Most don't want to make a consistent effort. Just like, just like a job, we get complacent in dealing with others. That is so true, my brother. Mm-hmm. Um... I will say you understand, like, if you communicate in the beginning, you do understand each other more and more, but I wouldn't say that it's a cakewalk just because you're always growing, you're always learning, and that that's an individual process. So the person you met at, say, 20 could be an entirely different person at 40. So just because you knew them then doesn't mean you know them now. You know, so always be curious as to what your partner needs, I would say. All right, now the realistic expectations. Um, what would you say? Would that go into nah. I was gonna say would that go into the um the interview date questions or the love language and love It can. Okay. Alright, so for the next few topics uh these would be addressing the realistic expectations that one can have within a relationship okay and with that being said oh tell these people about love languages <laughs> all right so love languages i mean we've talked about this if you're familiar with the show we talked about it a lot of times uh it's, 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 it's a common Everybody theme should know uh, love everyone should know about them um you get a love language you get a love language you, you get a love language you we do. all have them yeah. <laughs> uh so the who invented was gary chapman was his name dr gary chapman yes so he invented this uh i guess way of categorizing the way people show and accept love and receive uh, love yeah, I say accept, receive. I guess yeah. And then it's 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 more on the receiving end mm-hmm. than the showing. Like it's good to know how you show love and how you project it out, but mm-hmm. it's more like how you feel loved. Right. How? Yeah. Exactly. How you do? How someone has to show they love you. Like mm-hmm. the way that they can actually express that in a way that you can hear it, you can feel it, and it's authentic to your personality and your own uh, self, pretty much. So, uh, there are, five, are five of them. Uh, let's see if I can get them all on the first try. I'm, I'm pretty sure I will be able to. So, I'll go with uh, using myself as an example because that's so, the easiest okay. way. So, you have your primary love language right. and your secondary love language. Um, you could do a third, but then it just gets, yeah, you know. Those are the ones that aren't. Yeah. Yeah. Primary and secondary are, are the, exactly, are the, the best. So, oh, what are your primary and secondary love languages? So, primary love language would be physical touch. Mm-hmm. Um and quality time they're both it's equal. a tie yep mm-hmm. okay so touch me and spend time with me <laughs> and you good that's how you love me uh that's romantically if you're a friend don't touch me 
<laughs> Not like that anyways. Hugs are great. Hugs are great. Handshakes are great. Dap me up. You know what I mean? All that stuff. But like, in terms Obviously, of romanticism, different. you know what I mean? <laughs> Let's keep that with uh, my romantic partner. But yeah, uh, I say that to say that uh, there's also love languages when, within other relationships, not necessarily always romantic. So the way that you express so, those yeah, loves. yeah, you receive love with exactly. your family. You receive love with um, your friends. You receive love mm-hmm. even within work relationships. Like, you receive love in every relationship dynamic you can yeah. have. Like, humans have a need, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, of belonging and love. So you receive love in all of these different platforms. Now, while the book, The Five Love Languages, is catered to romantic relationships, you can apply it to any relationship dynamic. Mm-hmm. So those were the uh, my primary. top primary. Do you have a secondary? Uh, No, I don't have it. Uh, it's like lower. Yeah, it's like... Not registering. <laughs> um, so within the book, The Five Love Languages, and just online, they do have a test. So mm. you can determine what your love language is. So just Google Five Love Languages quiz, and you can find out what your love language is. I it's recommend really easy. you taking it, your partner taking it. Everyone should know. Figuring out what it means to you, and then communicating how you need to be loved. Okay? Every single person should know their love language. It makes life a lot easier with everyone that you're dealing with, whether you're uh, romantically involved or not. It's, it's facts. I'm telling you, yeah. I, I, it works. It really works. does. If you can, if you can apply the knowledge of the love languages to your own life mm-hmm. and those relationships that you're in, I promise you they will excel if you apply them correctly. Mm-hmm. Don't use them against each other. That's the worst. When, when, when somebody knows, like, <laughs> like if your love language is words of affirmation, and then, like, I use all my words to dig at you and just make, you know. That was my parents. That's just, don't do that. But they didn't know. I mean, they knew they was being hurtful, but. Right. <laughs> but, um. So, those were the first two were, were uh, physical touch, quality okay. time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think my third would have been uh, words of affirmation, but I'm not 100% sure. So, words of affirmation, we kind of just, like, went over that. Uh, <laughs> it's basically being able to... Ex- uh, we're, we're, we'll break it down. You want to break it down later? Okay. All right. <laughs> um, after that would be uh, acts of service. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then lastly would be um, quality time. Receiving gifts. Receiving gifts, yeah. Mm-hmm. See, that's definitely low on my list. Mm-hmm. I don't, you don't really need to buy me much. Mm-hmm. Unless it's food. That's different. I think of that as, like... Nurturing, right? You know what I mean? That's a little different category. Yeah, food is different. Food is different. Food should be its own love language, right? right? That's like I eat shit. Um, but yeah, those were the uh, five love languages right there. So quality time, uh, physical touch, Mm -hmm. words of affirmation, Mm -hmm. uh, acts of service, and gifts. Receiving receiving gifts. gifts. Mm -hmm. Um. So my primary love language. Um. And this is something to note. It can change. So when I took the test when I was an undergrad, um, I had a certain primary love language and a certain secondary love love language. But when I took the test again in grad school, they had it was the same ones within the the primary and the secondary, but they had switched order, and that's because my needs had changed. Okay, it can happen. It can happen. Like I said, you at twenty and you at forty may be different. Okay, so. So, the first, when I took the test in undergrad, my primary love language was a tie between um, quality time and physical touch. 
And then my secondary was words of affirmation. And then when I took it again in grad school, it was a, my primary love language was a tie between quality time and words of affirmation. And then my secondary was physical touch. So words of affirmation became more important to me. It's probably because I wasn't getting what I needed from my last relationship. So it was like, no, nah, I really, I really need this. So, um, before we break down what the different love languages are and what encompasses it and stuff like that, um, to go back to the, this exists outside of romantic relationships, um, my friend was describing her relationship with her mom and she said her mom always bought her gifts. Okay. But because that's not how my friend needed to be loved, she never felt loved by her mom. So it can transcend romantic relationships. Mm -hmm. Like it's just. And then a lot of times what we project, so what we show to other people and how we love them is usually often how we need to be loved. So like mom was buying gifts for the kids and that was probably how she needed to be loved. Right. She felt loved by receiving gifts. Okay. Not all the time. I asked my mama if receiving gifts was important to her and she was like, no, not really. Like they're cool, but... <laughs> I was like, okay, but she gets gifts all the time. But she's very, like, nurturing and caring, very sentimental, too, so it may just be personality as well. Um, but let's go into breaking down the different love languages. So when I was reading the book, so, okay, you have a language, right? So take English. Within English, if you go around the different parts of the country in the United States, you have different dialects. There's different slang. There's different terminologies that people in the other region aren't familiar with, even though they're speaking the same language. And even, like, tone. Like, if you go down to New, New Orleans, Cajun and Creole, I don't know. New Orleans? Whatever. New Orleans. <laughs> Who that? Obviously, I'm not from New Orleans. I got folk down there. <clears throat> Anyways. Um, so, yeah, so it's different dialects. So the same concept can be applied to love languages. So say quality time, okay? That's the overall love language. But then you have how you need to be loved within quality time. So mm, for instance... That's for damn sure. You can't have no boring-ass quality time. That ain't quality time. That's terrible. Well, let me give you three counts or three dialects within quality time, okay? So you have the first one. Number one! I need face-to-face... Direct communication. I feel violated. <laughs> no, <laughs> no um, distractions, no electronics. We having a conversation and we looking at each other, okay? And then number two, we're doing an activity together. The activity could be cooking together, watching a movie together. It doing could, a podcast. You know. <laughs> um, so it could be doing something together. The third thing is we're just in the same room. We're doing our own individual thing. You at the kitchen table. I'm on the couch. We just in the same room. Mm -hmm. And that's quality time. So, like, which ones would you prefer? Uh, for me, I like face-to-face -face contact. Uh, I like talking in person. I hate talking on the phone. It's one I have I... to get tissue. My nose is running. Just FYI. Keep talking. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so, for yeah, for me, I love face-to-face -face contact. Um... Eye contact, being able to see the person who I'm talking to. For me, there's no substitute. I don't like talking on the phone like that. FaceTime and um, all the other stuff, video chat, is okay. But you already know how technology is. Depending on the spot and the location, 
It's going to cut in. It's going to cut out. I, I'd much rather just see the person. Um, also, when it comes to romantic stuff, uh, I'm also a person whose love language is physical touch. So, I can't really touch you over the phone. And that's where, like, overlapping um, love languages come in. Because, like, with the being in the same room, I'm okay with being in the same room, but I need to be touching you. So it's like, you can be doing y'all, you could be like reading a book, I could be on my computer, but like, we, gotcha. we doing something. Like, I can't just... Just be in yeah. the other side of the room. Like, no, that's not spending quality time. <laughs> <laughs> but this is what we mean, like, you gotta be specific with it and uh, figure out the details of your relationship and what you need mm-hmm. out of the other person. Going back to the expectations, mm-hmm. love language, and, and self awareness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, so that's like an example of quality time. Words of affirmation would be things like "I appreciate you," "I love you," "I'm thankful for you." Just think, DJ Khaled, you're the best. <laughs> you're winning. You're amazing. You're successful. You're a king. You're a god. What? We the best. What? Secure the bag. What? Congratulations. You played yourself. Just think DJ Cal. He's all words of affirmation. That's all that motherfucker do. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> That's his love language for sure. Um, he be telling his son, the son can't understand a damn word. He gonna know. His first word is gonna be like, I'm the best. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, so basically affirming or positively uplifting um, your partner. And DJ! Um, and then, that being said, like, so a gift, when they talk about receiving gifts, they usually talk about, like, something monetary, like a thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, for me, I'm okay... Food is always acceptable. <laughs> and I'm okay with you gifting me with an experience that caters to our quality time. So, like, that would be an appropriate gift. That's when, to, that's when you get good. When you start comboing your, mm-hmm. uh, your love languages. Mm-hmm. That's when you get crazy on them. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to tell you, if you get good at this stuff, you will learn to increase the quality of your, your relationships tenfold. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be great. You get to combine love languages that you know what your partner loves mm-hmm. and desires and then present that to him or her in the best fashion possible. Mm-hmm. What could be better? And see, and then another gift could be like um, you writing a poem to me saying how much you love and adore me. Like that would be also <laughs> gifting me with words of affirmation. So. Just throwing all the like, hints like, yo, if you try and shoot your shot. I'm just giving examples. Uh, (laughs) uh, What's it called? So, what else is there? So, uh, I kind of explained that physical touch. Ooh, physical touch does not always mean sexual touch. Although it should. No, it shouldn't (laughs) because physical touch, again, love languages expand beyond just just romantic. I'm just kidding. Uh Um, Yeah. To the joke. It, it damn sure is because I like my physical trust with my touch. uh touch with my um with my sexual touch. Mm-hmm. I like sensual and sexual touch when it comes to um physicality. Just do. 
But like you were saying, they don't necessarily have to come together and be like a joint deal. There's times where you just want to be sensual, just like caress and chill and mm-hmm. massage or whatever. Cuddle and kiss. Cuddle, kiss, all that stuff. Just be, you know, cute. I want some couple shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, other times, you're going to want to get it popping. <laughs> you know? Ain't nothing wrong with that either. And see, like, for me, my, my with my within my physical touch love language, I'm much higher with sensual touch than I am with sexual touch. So it's also being able to communicate those needs to your partner. Like, I'm not always in a sexual mood. Sometimes I'm I'm always in a sensual mood, but I'm not always in a sexual. And sometimes, like, I'm not going to be able to meet your need, you know, if you have a higher um, sexual touch need than I do. So, again, communicate. Now, I will say, just because something doesn't come natural to you doesn't mean you can't do it. So, like, if words of affirmation didn't come natural to me, but my partner needed it. You can adapt. Like, I can adapt. I can can get comfortable with it. I can explore different things, that kind of thing. But at at some points, you don't have the capacity to fulfill that need. Like, I can't even if I tried. Like, it's just, it just doesn't come. So, like, with the sexual touch, like, even though my partner may have that need, like, I, I just can't meet it right now. Like, I'm just, I just can't, you know? So, it's also, again, self-awareness. You have to know yourself and what you have the capacity to fulfill and give. Okay? Yeah. Um, what other ones do you listen Stephen to? Gear, Acts of service. Acts of service. Acts of service. Mm-hmm. Uh, acts of service for me, I think, is, um, hmm. That's not a bad one. It's just not high on my priority list. Uh, but the whole deal with acts of service is like, a lot of times applies to making someone's job a little bit easier because you know that they may have a stressful work environment or they may just uh, appreciate you doing something and taking a load off of some of the things that they've gone through. Uh, so if you know like your partner works all day and you do simple acts like just making sure like the house is clean mm-hmm. or uh, doing something that they often forget, mm-hmm. scheduling things, anything like that, any act that you can do to make their lives easier, it really shows that you appreciate all the work that they do mm-hmm. um, and all the responsibilities that they do uh, shoulder. So I think that's really important and creates a great opportunity for that bond and that connection between the two people. Although it's not my thing, I can definitely see how if someone feels as though they're going above and beyond, uh, you showing that you appreciate that through action um, could really signify and represent that love that they were desiring because they're going out and they're working so hard, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's that give and take, and that's what causes the relationship to get stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, now, for me, I associate acts of service with like household yeah so like taking out the trash doing the dishes you know that kind of thing um but my mom's love language is acts of service whether she knows it or not i told her it was because i know her definitely because again i told you my parents they're divorced it's a good thing but like they weren't as soon as i learned love languages i was like oh my dad's his words of affirmation my mom does not cater to that she does the opposite like not good for what he needs 
My mom's is acts of service. My dad be chilling on the couch. My mom didn't ask him five times to mow the lawn, and then she just get up and do it herself, you know? And, like, five times over the two weeks, you know? And he still hasn't done it. She would do it herself. So, again, not fulfilling that need of just, like, taking care of house and home. That makes my mom feel loved, you know? Because she does a lot anyway. So if she asks... She asking you to do something with the house. Like, she clean all the time. So, if she asking you to do something, like, just help her out, you know? But my dad would be sitting on the couch watching TV and not doing anything. So, mowing the lawn, dusting, um, cutting the turkey. Uh, These are very specific. I'm thinking about my mom <laughs> and what very she specific. would nag about because my dad wasn't mm-hmm. doing it. Um, Yeah, so, you know. Um, chore and responsibility related like services. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I found a meme that I'm going to share with you all to really explain the five love languages. All right. Oh, is this the taco one? This is the taco uh, one. All right. This one's good, y'all. Um, <laughs> Story time. So could you read like what the love language is and I'll read the example? Oh, okay. Uh, so the first one is uh, words of affirmation. Your tacos are delicious. Acts of service. I made you tacos. Receiving gifts. Here's a taco. Quality time. Let's go out for tacos together. And physical touch. Let me hold you like a taco. <laughs> the tacos. Explaining love languages. Making it easy. <laughs> um, so I thought that was a cute way to like put it into perspective. Um, so, I think that was it for love languages, right? Yeah. All right, now there's this new thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not really new. It's just new to me, maybe new to you, uh, uh, but we're going to introduce it. Rocky here knows more about it than I do, so uh, I'm going to let her take the take the mic and take the stage on this one. But uh, there are also five apology languages. Uh, so I recently just took this test. Um, like this morning? Like literally this morning. <laughs> uh in preparation for the show, just to get like a sense of what they were asking mm-hmm. and what my actual primary apology language is. Uh, so when I went over it, my apology language is, uh, I think I need to pull up. I know what it wasn't. I remember the thing that it wasn't. And it, I was not a person who uh, was prone to someone asking for forgiveness. So I think what that says about me is that if I'm going to forgive you or if I'm going to, like, you know, get over a situation, it's going to be because of me and not necessarily because of you asking or doing, like, you know, requesting that I forgive you without any acknowledgement of, oh, that's what my number one was, acknowledgement of what you did. <laughs> you mean admitting your responsibility? Admitting responsibility yeah. um, and then trying to rectify it. Like, without all those other steps, like, you just asking me, like, can you forgive me doesn't really mean anything. Um, And plus, I think a lot of it's, yeah, it's on me. Like, I will forgive you in the time that I need to, or I will process it in a way where I can get over that feeling when I need to. So, I do it for me, not for you. Right. True. Pretty much. Um... So, Naomi asks, what, where are you taking the love languages and apology test? If you Google the five love languages, like, the first link that pops up is, like, the actual website mm-hmm. that Dr. Gary Chapman is a part of. Um, and then you can take the test online. 
Um, yeah, it's the five love languages dot com. Yeah, that's yeah. Five is in the number five. Yeah, the number five. So number five, so five. love languages dot com. And they have both the love languages and the apology languages uh, under the quizzes uh, tab. Um, sorry, were you done? Yeah, no, I was done. Well, okay. I think you were going to say something about the apology. Yeah, yeah. So I found this post and I posted it earlier this week. And it says, if we're dating, leave your pride with your ex. We communicate and apologize over here. And I thought that was very accurate in addition to there being apology languages because I was like, yeah, stuff happens. Life happens. You have disagreements. You unintentionally hurt each other and you need to apologize. So, and it's, if you're not apologizing to the person you're spending your life with, um, that's going to go. Yeah. So, um, I... Yeah, my colleague uh, told me about the apology languages, so I was like, let me look into it. I haven't... There's probably another book for, like, just the apology languages, so I haven't read it yet, so I don't know the extent of it. But I will say I prefer the paper test versus the online test for apology languages. And the reason I prefer the paper test, and again, this is Google apology languages quiz PDF or something like that. Like, Mm -hmm. Google got everything. But, um... The reason I prefer... It's website, too. The paper test? Mm-hmm. You just download it as a PDF. They give you an option when you take it. Oh, okay. Well, the paper test, actually, with each um, answer, it has a symbol associated with that answer. And then at the bottom of the test, or the back of the test, it oh, has which... I'm looking at it now. Yeah, <laughs> which um, apology language is associated with that symbol. So that way you can see which answer is which apology language. And on the online test, you're just clicking the answer. Which is you what don't I know. Had to do. Yeah, you don't know which apology language is associated. And and I like that because this apology test, the love languages cater solely to romantic relationships. It doesn't ask any questions about anything else. Whereas the apology languages ask between lovers, friends, family, family yeah. and work. I know it's a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, so it's like I in my professional experience, I don't need the same level of apology yeah. that I need from That's my That's why level. I noticed yeah. a lot when I was taking the test. Okay, I'm glad you brought that out because I thought I was tripping. Yeah, I didn't no. Know. And then I'm um, like, and then you just sum it all together. Like, nah, yeah. I got this specific lo- uh, apology language for my loved ones, my family, I my agree. friends. I agree, And then work, I don't give a shit about. <laughs> like, long as we not fuck it up again, right. you know? So, um... Okay. So yeah. yeah. So I would be. I would say be aware of that um, because the test does have those variety of uh, scenarios. Um, so just pay attention to which apology language is associated with which type of relationship. Hmm. Okay. Um, now, as far as what my apology languages were, um, again, I didn't mark down my answers on the paper test, so I can't tell you specifically for what type of relationship. Mm-hmm. I just took the online test. Um, so when I was going through the paper test, what I remember is my primary apology language being more of accepting responsibility, um, for my loved ones, for my love, my, that's romantic, platonic, family, whatever. Um, but when I took the online test, my primary was expressing regret and then my secondary was genuinely repent and then my third was accept responsibility. So like I said, take this with a grain of salt because... I gotta figure it out. So yeah, my least, the one that least resonated with me was uh, requesting forgiveness. Yeah. 
So, because, yeah, that's what it is. It's like, could you forgive me? Mm-hmm. If that's all you do and come to me with that, it's like, what the fuck? What am I going to do with that? I'll forgive you on my own time. And I think re- expressing regret was uh, number two for me. Accountability was first. Taking responsibility. So what the hell do these things mean? I'm going to read it. Yes, I don't please know do either. bring it down, bring it down. All right. So expressing regret. Expressing regret is an apology language that zeroes in on emotional hurt. It is an omission of guilt and shame for causing pain to another person. Hmm. For those who listen for expressing regret apologies, a simple I'm sorry is all they look for. There is no need for explanation or payback, provided the apology has truly come from the heart. Expressing regret is a powerful apology language because it gets right to the point. It doesn't make excuses or attempt to deflect blame. Above all, expressing regret takes ownership of the wrong. For that reason, expressing regret is understood as a sincere commitment to repair and rebuild the relationship. The expressing regret apology language speaks most clearly when the person offering the apology reflects sincerity, not only verbally, but also through body language. Unflinching eye contact and a gentle but firm touch are two ways that body language can underscore sincerity. Sincerity. Although I probably shouldn't have read, read that because now people are just going to use that. Sincere people, genuine. <laughs> no, that's cool. You can't, you could try to fake this for as long, but so long. Yeah, that's true. Actions always speak louder than words. All right, so genuinely rep- repent. So the next one, genuinely repent. Was that? Was that just a subcategory? No, it was It was genuinely repent. That's, that's another one. Oh, really? Another apology language. Um, for some individuals, repentance is a convincing factor in an apology. Some mates, I guess mates as in partners. Mm -hmm. Some mates will doubt the sincerity of an apology if it is not accompanied by their partner's desire to modify their behavior to avoid the situation in the future. I am all about that. Okay, I get that. Yeah. Um, It's important to remember that all true repentance begins in the heart. A mate must feel poorly for hurting their loved one and rely on... Sorry, they said rely on God's help in order to truly change. Uh, if you believe in that, otherwise, get your ass up and do the work. That's yourself. why, as soon as they said repent, I had a flashback to a church because I know that's a word that's yeah. often used in churches. That's true. Uh, when it comes to religion, I, I see. Admitting you are wrong creates vulnerability. It allows your mate to get a glimpse of your heart. The glimpse of true self is assurance that the apology was sincere. One important aspect of genuinely repenting is verbal. Oh yeah, and they're like confession. Yeah. <laughs> With the Catholic repent church. for your sins. Yeah. Um, one important aspect of genuinely repenting is verbalizing your desire to change. Your mate cannot read your mind. Oh, look! Your mate we cannot just read your about mind. That. Huh. Huh. <laughs> Though you may be trying to change inside, if you do not verbalize your desire to change to your mate, most likely they will still be hurt. Many people have problems with repenting when they do not feel as though their actions were morally wrong. However, in a healthy relationship... <laughs> We often make changes that have nothing to do with morality and everything to do with building a harmonious marriage. Hmm. That's funny. Interesting. It is also important to make a dedicated plan for change. Often apologies involving repentance fail because the person never sets up steps of action to help ensure success. The person must first set goals for their change. After you create realistic goals, then you can start implementing a plan for change. 
Taking baby steps towards repentance instead of insisting on changing all at once will increase your chances of successfully, successfully changing your ways. It's important to remember that change is hard. Constructive change does not mean we will immediately be successful. There will be highs and lows on the road to change. We must remember that anyone can change their ways if they are truly and genuinely ready to repent. All right, the next one, accepting responsibility. Hmm. And we are talking That's about the language. different, the five different love languages. Apologies. Sorry, apology languages. It's cool. It's it's so natural for me to say love I know. Because we're used, used to, to that's that. the that's the go to one. That's yeah. why. Sorry, the five different apology languages. Accept <laughs> uh, responsibility. It's very difficult for some people to admit that they're wrong. It makes them doubt their self worth, and no one likes to be portrayed as a failure. However, as adults, we must all admit that we make and will make mistakes. We are going to make poor decisions that hurt our mates, and we are going to have to admit that we were wrong. We have to accept responsibility for our own failures. For many individuals, all they want is to hear the words, I am wrong. If the apology neglects accepting responsibility for their actions, many partners will not feel as though the apology was meaningful and sincere. Many partners need to learn how to overcome their ego. That's, That's why this one is important, I think. This is why I'm number one. The desire to not be viewed as a failure and simply admit that their actions were wrong. For a mate who speaks this apology language, if an apology does not admit fault, it is not worth hearing. Being sincere in your apology means allowing yourself to be weak and admitting that you make mistakes. Though this may be hard to do for some people, it makes a world of a difference for your partner who speaks this language. So basically, like, my apology language for my loved ones is like a combination of all three of those so accepting responsibility genuinely repenting and then expressing regret like i need you to say i'm sorry i need you to say i was in a wrong i wasn't considerate of your feelings or i wasn't intentionally trying to harm you what can i do to improve our relationship what steps can i take to stop this from happening again like i need all that all that (laughs) what i really don't need is requesting forgiveness that shit, I don't care. That shit is so, I don't give a fuck. That shit's not me. If it's for you, do you, boo, but it's not for us. <laughs> I don't need you, like, could you please forgive me? Get that shit out of here. <laughs> I'll let you know when I forget your ass. <laughs> like, if that's all you coming with, just forgive me. Like, forgive you for what? You can't tell, say what you did. You're not sorry about what you like. You Ooh, see what yes. I mean? Accepting responsibility. I also need you to own up to what you did. See, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. And and I will say, and this is an unrealistic expectation for people to know what they did. Sometimes they don't mm-hmm. because it hurt you. They are not always aware if you don't communicate that you're hurt and what hurt you. So this is yeah. what you did. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know that I did that. I didn't know that what I said had that impact. You know, having these communicative conversations. Request forgiveness. In some relationships, a mate wants to hear their partner physically ask for forgiveness. They want assurance that their mate recognizes the need for forgiveness. By asking forgiveness for their actions, a partner is really asking their mate to still love them. Requesting forgiveness assures your mate that you want to see the relationship fully restored. It also proves to your mate that you are sincerely sorry for what you've done. It shows that you realize you've done something wrong. Requesting forgiveness also shows that you are willing to put the future of the relationship in the hands of the offended mate. You are leaving the final decision up to your partner to forgive or not forgive. That is the question. <laughs> I, I get that, but 
in a way, it's kind of like, I think it's like a way of asking to be back in, into the relationship in good favor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not so much so, oh, it's in your hands. Like, whenever you want to talk or whatever, like, that's what I would say. Like, yeah. like whenever you want to do something, you want to, like, I, this is where I stand. I fucked up. I did this. And whenever you're ready to, I'm ready to still be in, like, in good favor with you. If you're not ready for that, cool. I'm going to fall the fuck back. Whenever you feel like I could be in that space or when you're in that space where we could be in that space together, <laughs> then cool. We'll, we'll make that happen. But it's all on you. This, like, the whole... Could you please forgive me for it? I feel like that's more like a way of asking or kind of in a way like emotionally like tugging at your strings and be like, could you like let me back into the mm-hmm. spot? Instead of it being like, yo, I fucked up. Mm-hmm. I already know what it is. It's on you. I've accepted that the consequences of my actions might lead to us never having the same relationship again. I've already accepted like that shit. infidelity. Like, that's how I feel like it should be. It shouldn't be like, please forgive me, baby, baby, please, baby, please, baby, please. Like, nah, I don't want to hear all that. <laughs> like, if you own your shit, and this is just me personally. This is what I, like, the way I see it. Now that I'm better understanding the apology languages, you know. Um, you just need to fall the fuck back and let me be in my own space and let me actually gather my thoughts. Like, I don't want nobody in my face talking about, like, oh, please, please forgive me, forgive me, like, I'm going to do that shit on my own time because I know what I need. Like, the last thing I need is someone trying to tug me in a d- certain direction. Mm-hmm. That's going to just piss me off. Yeah. I feel it, I feel it. Um, the last apology language is make restitution. Uh, making restitution is basically paying for what you did. Right. Okay. Um. That one was, uh, like, in the middle for me, I think. That was a zero for me. I don't. Like, what type of payment would there be for you hurting me? Flowers? Like, what would... Yeah. And this one was, <laughs> this one was more so in, in terms of uh, business. This was oh, definitely yeah. not... This was definitely yeah. not one of the ones where it came to a relationship. So, like, it was, it was like, um... So, like, uh, it was like in a your, restaurant bi- your business or partner like didn't, uh, made you miss a deadline yeah, or something like yeah, that. Yeah. It was like, you know, do you want them to pay for that or you know, pay for the extra time you gotta spend, you know, something like that. Um, but it's basically payment. Yeah. So that's why that one was in the middle for me, I think. Mm-hmm. Because I looked at some of the business questions they asked mm-hmm. and I was like, oh yes, motherfucker, if you fuck up when it comes to um, money and just like, yeah, just business stuff, you gotta pay the person back appropriately uh, in any monetary way or otherwise, like when it comes to time and energy. Mm-hmm. Just courtesy. Alright, so that's the end of the Five apology languages. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and with the remaining of our time, we want to talk about interview date questions. <laughs> now, the first date that you have, and feel free to ask these questions while you're in the talking on the phone text stage before the first date. The first date should be like a job interview. For the people who think that it's trial and error, that is inaccurate. <laughs> For the people who think, oh, well, I have to get to know them in order to know, that's a waste of time. And for the people who think that people lie and you can't ask these questions, you're not asking the right questions. And the reason you need to treat this first date like a job interview is because you need to acknowledge what your worth is. 
and what you should be spending your time on and what you should not, okay? And again, you cannot have a healthy relationship without a healthy individual, so you need to first check and see if this is are worth you putting with, your time you know, Are you good with anyone treating you in any type of way? Exactly. I don't think so. And I ain't trying to find out. I'm trying to ask so I don't have to experience it. Right. So, like, these questions <laughs> will show you... Right. Whatever their response is will show you about that person. They're going to okay? show their ass. They're going to show their ass. ass. They're going to show their ass. And um, so the key to these questions is open-ended questions. You cannot ask a yes or no because people can lie. Open-ended questions Open specific to their experiences. Um, yeah, like really just trying to see if there are any red flags, trying to see if they match up with your value system. If what you need in a relationship, um, that kind of thing. So with that being said, um, I'm going to present the topic for the question, and then we'll just come up with the question. You go ahead. You just do your thing. I, I can't wait for this. No, I want you to do it with me. I know, I know I'm doing it with you. I'm just saying, like, you like you, you got it. Like, set it up. It's just, I just, I'm excited. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> so it's first date, and I got questions. And this is a job interview. And I need to know if you're the best candidate for this position. So with the topic of conflict, how do you handle conflict? <clears throat> well, <laughs> very well, white. Don't place. give them the answer. Um, but how do you handle conflict? It's not a yes or no. It tells them. And most people don't think about these questions a lot of times. So they'd be like, oh, shit, how do I handle conflict? But do you have any questions about conflict other than that one? Uh, I would say, what was the last bad conflict you got into? Mm-hmm. And how did you resolve it? No, no. Now Which remember, oh sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Remember, healthy relationships have conflict. Healthy relationships do not have arguments. Right, everybody talked about that in the last episode what is a healthy relationship right and we'll talk about that more in the conflict resolution episode jeez yes indeedy um now i will say you need to ask these interview date questions to also assess for your expectations and for the other person's expectations Mm -hmm. because again Mm -hmm. if you don't communicate them you don't know so asking these questions is a good way to find out okay um next topic communication what question would you have for communication? Well, since we talked about love languages, I would actually, I would definitely ask about that when mm-hmm. in, in regards to communication. Uh, I also ask, in what ways, like what what styles of communication have not worked for you in past relationships? Like what kind of communication? Or what relationship have you had with communication that does not work for you or has not worked for you in the past? Like, what kind of things don't work for you? Just to get a sense of, like, what that person does not want when it comes to communication. Because a lot of times that tells you a little bit more about what they need or where their head is at. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because if they can't say, like, oh, I definitely don't want this because of this happening in my relationship or whatever else like taking it through that process I think could help you out when it comes to communication and helping you figure out whether or not that person 
is even in the right space of mind when it comes to talking to you. you know? My question for communication would be, what were you taught about communication? Because a lot of times, parents are our first teachers. We learn everything from them. We observe. So a lot of times, sorry, I got to Excuse me. Um, it's cool, Hattie. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, we learn. Not editing out, though. <laughs> you know, we keep it real. <laughs> I'm sick. But anyways, um, <laughs> we learn communication from our parents. Most of the times, unfortunately, it is not. Exactly. Um, so you already talked about asking what your love languages are. So first, they need to know them. Yeah. Um, um, and if you're at it, you know, I know I just got introduced to it, but maybe throw out the apology ones too. Mm-hmm. Why not? Well, whip out that test. Whoosh, Let's whoosh, take whoosh, it out. Whoosh, just throw that on the. <laughs> so I got a few questions. Yeah. And you may want to have your conversation toolbox prepared mentally. So that way you can just pull these questions out when you need them. Um, Because if you do come with paper and clipboard and pen. That's a little intimidating. Yeah. You got to do it artfully. You know what I mean? You got to be able to do it. And if you do this the right way, I think it's going to be attractive and sexy to the right partner. Again, those who are scared of opening up and everything else like that, they're going to show it by their uh, inability to answer these questions or how uncomfortable these questions make. So again, it's not only their answers that show you, it's their reaction to these questions. Mm-hmm. That's why we ask these questions. Exactly. You know? So leading to my next question, how are you actively working on your mental and emotional Ooh! health? This one, fire. I'm, I'm, I'm adding some bombs or some, some sound effect <laughs> during that one. Because I need to know. Um, again, I need a healthy individual. So you have to be working on yourself and your self-healing. So I need to know what you've been do- been doing for that. Speak on it. Yeah. Any other questions for mental and emotional health? Uh, well, just some of the same things that you were talking about when it came to other uh, topics. Like, what did you learn from your parents? Like, what do you actually know mm-hmm. about mental health and, and, and self-care in general? Like, just... Like, what do you actually know about these things? And what practices are, are you doing now? You know? mm-hmm. Very true. Do you think they would change if you became, uh, were in a relationship? How would they change? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's a good question. These are the things you got to ask. Like, once I get on a roll, like, my stuff starts flowing. But it's because I'm used to asking these questions in therapy sessions with other couples. Mm-hmm. Um, what these questions do, it also helps your mind to start thinking relationally mm-hmm. and how... You know how these aspects of the relationship that are important relate to the person that you're sitting across from, mm-hmm. and whether they have the capacity to actually, you know, provide these things. Mm-hmm. Um. Next topic is past relationships. Ooh. <laughs> you have a question. Oh. Why you ain't with her? <laughs> how, how come y'all broke up? <laughs> I mean, these are actually legit questions. I'm just using, the, I'm just using a stupid ghetto accent. Mm-hmm. Throwing a little ghetto accent on that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but in all seriousness, <laughs> yeah, I think asking why you are together is a very valid question. 
And it tells you a lot about how they view the relationship and whether they can take any accountability in their role of the breakup, Mm -hmm. which I think is a huge sign of whether that person is uh, truly mature enough to be in a a new present relationship, Mm -hmm. whether they view uh, their role in their past relationship as being absolved of all responsibility. Mm -hmm. That's not a good sign. Um, I can sign it off. Yeah, my question would be, what have you learned from your past relationship? Damn, love it. Mm-hmm. Great question. Another first date question. Now, this I got from social media, so I'll probably be posting it, but you may not want to ask this on the first date because it does lead to vulnerability, so not everybody's comfortable being that vulnerable on the first date. But the question is, how aware are you of your traumas and suppressed emotions? I would ask this. And how are you actively working to heal them before you try to project that shit on me? Now, it may sound like a lot, because it kind of is. <laughs> but, um, again, artfully, the way that you go about that, I think uh, asking that question without it being so jarring, maybe, mm-hmm. is have you ever been hurt before? And if so... How have you learned from that hurt, and how have you healed it? Healed it so that if we do get together, we don't go through the same thing because of your hurt. You know they say hurt people hurt people. You know, just using basic language. That's a lot of what I do in my just daily work. It's just people being able be to break like, stuff down so people you can use understand these it. Words now. Nah, I don't use any of the like. <laughs> Textbook jargon. I half of that shit I done forgot, which is why I'm gonna have to relearn it while I take this exam. Uh, no. Speaking of which, this hey! Hey! Y'all I just know submitted my licensure yo, application. Yo, yo. I still gotta take this test and pass it, but mm. I'm almost yeah! <laughs> license manager family therapist coming gang, to gang. you. Gang, gang. <laughs> um sorry, had to celebrate. <laughs> yeah, you know, gotta celebrate life. Uh the next topic would be gender mm. now I have a specific question Oof. to address this so if we have a son and a daughter and they are 16 years old at separate times of their life okay okay when is their curfew that's your question that is my question because he he says okay. the son gets to stay out later than the daughter at the same damn age is telling me a lot what you did there um, I also also asked about um, views on abortion uh, views on gender roles um, and expectations within there because I don't have time for that it's equal opportunity in my household so <laughs> any questions about gender roles for you um, gender roles I, I personally would ask what is your definition of uh, manhood or what constitutes a man in mm. your eyes just because I recently have just come to the realization of just the, the amount of toxic uh, femininity there is in the world. And why I describe that is, is, is women who have some skewed view of what a man is supposed to be. And they project that upon the men that they're pursuing or interested in. Uh, or, or, men, <laughs> or men who are interested in them. And, and thus... Their contract with a lot of these men is not only unrealistic, but it's based off of broken contracts 
uh, from a society that's told them that men should look like this or should be like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a false sense of what a man should be. So what they describe a man being will tell me a lot about whether I should even be you know, entertaining them or if I'm willing to you know, stick around and teach somebody what an actual man is um, in my eyes. I don't know if I'm ready to do all that, all that at, at this stage in my life. Actually, I know for sure I'm not ready yeah, to do that. Yeah, I'm a therapist. I do that for my day job. Mm-mm. I'm so, not doing that when I come home. Um, but it's something I had to actually realize when I came, when it comes down to dating, because my own self worth, because I'm the guy, I'm always the pursuer. I'm always like, all right, how can I get her? I'm starting to ask now whether it's worth even trying to get her. Is she worth your time? Is she worth my time? You know. But. That's a whole other story. <laughs> but I would definitely ask that question because I think it's important to hear um, any woman who I'm dating, their views on what masculinity and being a man is. Because it would tell me a lot. Facts. Separate episode, just wrote it down. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, questions regarding parenting. Mine was kind of a parenting question as well. I hit two birds with one stone. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, parenting wouldn't be so crazy on the first date, but it just depends on, again, what you're dating for. If you're dating, dating for a purpose, dating to connect, you know, Put all that. Agenda. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sum it up. Um, but for me, I would I'll probably say, like, the obvious one, do you want children and why? <laughs> the why is, I think, uh, very important. People just be like, oh, you know, I, my mom did it, mom, you know, I just want to have kids. Uh, that may not be a good enough reason. That may not spark, spark confidence in you uh, with that answer. So just just something to know. Like you may want somebody who's actually thought thoroughly through their idea of wanting to procreate, to bring life into this world, to bring the spirit into this world, to connect with them, to nurture them, to help that person, little person grow and all that other stuff. If you have somebody who's done that work, they're probably going to express it. Unless, you know, shy. <laughs> uh but if they haven't, and their answer is kind of shallow, it kind of tells you, or could tell you, that maybe their thinking about it has been shallow. They haven't really thought about the effort and time and energy it will take to raise a child, mm-hmm. much less more than one. Facts. Um, as I've been dating women, I've noticed that I do need to ask, do you want children or not? Mm. Um, because we can't reproduce. Speak on your perspective, queen. Go ahead. <laughs> so we can't reproduce. So it's an actual, like, act, you know, that we, that's a conscious decision of having children. And I want kids. So having the conversation of do you want kids has become more important. I don't have slip-ups with my sexual interactions with my male partners. So there will be no accidental children or accidental pregnancies. To be had, it's called condoms and birth control, people. Thank God for them. Twenty-seven years, <laughs> condoms and birth control have not got pregnant once. So I haven't got pregnant once either. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, do you want kids? Is a valid question. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, trustworthiness. Hmm. Now with this. It was interesting because I, I talk about this with my clients and they're always like, how you know they're not going to lie? <laughs> so my question for trustworthiness is, and I think I got this from you. 
Because I was talking to you about it. Probably. You know, I, I say a lot of dope shit and forget it. And then she'll like, remember I, it because she writes it down. I do. Because that's how I remember. Which is why these books about to be fire. <laughs> Y'all not ready. So, for trust me, man. Yes, books. Plural. Tag team. Um, <laughs> tell me about an experience in your life when you were not trustworthy. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> I remember now. That's that's good. It really opens up the conversation because it, it shows, it gives the person on the other side the opportunity to be vulnerable and open up about a time when they really weren't shit. <laughs> <laughs> Accountability. <laughs> Boom! This is why the episode all connects, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what do you consider cheating? Mm. Mm, that's a really good one, cause motherfuckers got different. different Especially with social media now, I'm like, yeah, we need to define that, this. That shit. wasn't even cheating. What define, you mean that was cheating? The definition, because we need to be clear. And then, uh, have you ever cheated? And if someone says no, I would also bring up emotional cheating because I've done that before it was defined as such. Um, and yeah, if you can't own it. If you can't like, own your like shit now. If somebody says no, like I, I'm seriously questioning them because I feel like everybody has had some kind of temptation. Mm-hmm. You know? I, you can even ask, like, if you never cheated, how close have you ever gotten close or have you ever had temptations? Like, mm-hmm. so, so follow-up questions yeah. are also good, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized this in my last dating experience. How do you handle other people's emotions? Mm. And how do you handle your own? That's a big one. Because I need emotional support. I need some wonderful emotion. <laughs> um, that's all the questions for the topic. Yeah, that I think that's 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 good. We we did that. We did that. <laughs> All right, so next episode in the Healthy Relationship series will be about communication, and then the one following that will be about conflict resolution, and then we'll continue going through the eight Cs. Um, We may take breaks um, because there's a lot of political things happening right now, Mm -hmm. so we will probably be starting our political series at some point. My man Bernie is in the race. Bernie, baby. Check out the video I did on It's So Real. It's going down. Where I'm going talking about how it's going down um but other than that i think that's it for today yeah hope y'all enjoyed the show hope the knowledge spread share please 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 share god people need to know share it even if you ain't watch it share it like for real like you would have to listen to this part to get that but share 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 okay um. All right. So, thank you so much for listening. So, it's a real with your girl Rocky and your boy O. You have a beautiful day. Take care of you. All right. We are out of here. Peace and love.